Welcome to the Commune Podcast. My name is Jeff Krasno. Okay, so first off, let me express my gratitude to the 100,000 or so subscribers to this podcast. I deeply appreciate all the emails, the guest suggestions, and largely constructive feedback. Uh, Most of all, I really love the flexibility of the podcast as it serves as a bit of a sandbox for creative explorations. Uh, Many podcasts are dedicated to excavating a specific topic. However, I simply have too many diverse interests and there are just too many inspirational people with myriad expertise out there to interview. So for these reasons, I've veered away from a single topic podcast. I am apt to go deep on the microbiome for a couple of weeks and then go on a regenerative farming jag and then on a spiritual inquiry. So thank you for your willingness to go on this peripatetic journey with me. In that spirit, I'm excited to introduce a new practice series to the podcast. Every Saturday, we will publish a specific well-being praxis. I will begin with meditation, but may venture into other modalities, such as breathwork, yoga, tapping, and stoic contemplations, among others. Now, while I will set the stage by providing some of the initial theory and lessons, we will soon draw from the vast array of preeminent commune teachers to guide us through various practices and modalities. Of course, you can always access the full treasure trove of more than a thousand lessons that we recorded over the years with a commune membership at onecommune.com. This first episode contains more preamble as I want to properly set the stage for meditation. Future episodes will cut to the chase and jump right into the practice. These upcoming practices are designed to be relatively simple and introductory meditations that will allow you to wade into the shallow end of this ancient modality. Now you are already here, which indicates you are probably curious about meditation and likely aware of the multiplicity of benefits that this practice offers, but perhaps for one reason or another, actually sitting quietly alone has evaded you. Uh, Hopefully this series can help you establish meditation as a regular habit. Now the word meditation itself can often carry some unfortunate new age baggage imagery of wafting frankincense, Ouija boards, and crystal pujas may appear in your mind's eye. It seems like we all had that kooky, if lovable, basket-weaving aunt who used to chant kirtan naked in the tall grass. Or maybe that's too autobiographical. (laughs) But regardless, I am here to dispel the notion that you need to be a card-carrying hippie wear a saffron robe or commit to monasticism to examine the nature of your mind. And that's really what meditation is about. It's an excavation of the mind such that you can garner greater insight into the nature of reality. And given that the entire experience of your life occurs as a product of your mind, it seems a worthwhile pursuit to take a deeper look at it. A meditation 
offers an opportunity to have a different experience of consciousness, of what it's like to be you, not as a separate individual, but as a part of an interconnected web of life. Certainly, cultivating a meditation practice can relieve anxiety and stress, assuage fear, and ameliorate sleep. It contributes to your holistic well-being, reduces inflammation, aids digestion, and bolsters immunity. Engaging with this practice long-term actually changes the physiology of the brain. Meditation has been shown to increase cortical thickness or gray matter concentration of the hippocampus, the part of the brain responsible for memory and regulating emotions. However, while the benefits are multifarious, this practice should not be undertaken in pursuit of achieving a list of personal goals. The primary purpose of meditation is to access the present moment. And in regularly doing so, the beneficial outcomes will become self-evident. So in this way, the process is the product. Now, as you sharpen your ability to pay attention moment to moment, you will notice how the practice gradually begins to punctuate your quotidian life. The second that you begin to contemplate all the potential improvements meditation may usher into your life, you've lost the plot. You're living in the future. The point is to groove with the present moment, similar to how a musician or a dancer becomes absorbed in their art. It's not about getting anywhere. And when you focus on destination, then meditation and life in general becomes a dismal chore. At its very best, meditation is about flowing with the river's current. It's about being all here, right now. Well, there is a common misconception that meditation is about turning off the spigot of thoughts. Now, certainly, many of us suffer from monkey mind, a state of being where thoughts are branches and our minds are swinging wildly from one to another. We have trouble focusing or just being quiet. The majority of us can't make it through the shortest grocery checkout line without fidgeting for our phones. We have become addicted to occupying the mind. And the mind is very useful, but so is my hand. And I'm not obsessed with using my hand every millisecond. Now, meditation doesn't turn thoughts off as much as it simply enhances our ability to witness them as phenomena arising and subsiding in consciousness moment to moment. We begin to witness thoughts in the same way that we perceive sound or light or shadow. They are transitory happenings coming and going. A meditation practice also helps us observe difficult emotions as passing phenomenon such that we don't fixate on them or identify with them. We acknowledge them as they appear and wave at them as they disappear. We are the sky. Thoughts, feelings, and sensations are clouds. We are the road. Emotions are the cars, bicycles, and pedestrians. We are 
the precondition for everything that appears in our field of awareness. Humans have a penchant for fixating on thoughts generated from past experience and projecting those thoughts into the future as negative anticipated memories. Let me say that again. We have a proclivity for fixating on thoughts generated from past experience and projecting those thoughts into the future as negative anticipated memories. For example, we might think about something bad that happened the last time we went to the doctor. And then we spend our time awash in worry about our appointment next month. In this way, so much of our suffering are phantoms of our own projection. Because most of the time, right now, we are totally fine. And meditation migrates us out of the narrative life of our torturous past and imagined future and into the experienced life of the present. In his Yoga Sutras, Patanjali spells out the purpose of yoga. To be clear, Patanjali was writing about a very different kind of yoga than we are accustomed to in modern Western society. Now, modern yoga is primarily physical, derived from a branch of yoga known as Hatha Yoga. There are postures or asanas and physical sequences that move the practitioner between various postures. However, historically, asana is but one of yoga's eight limbs. The balance of the limbs address ethics, meditation, and concentration. For all intents and purposes, Patanjali was primarily describing meditation in his Yoga Sutras. In the second verse, Patanjali lays out meditation's target with this simple phrase, yogas, chitta, vritti, niroda. Here's the rough translation from Sanskrit. Yogas, yoga is chitta, the mind, vritti, turning or fluctuating, niroda, ceasing. Yoga is the ceasing of the turning of the mind, or more poetically, yoga is the progressive stilling of the fluctuations of the mind. The Sanskrit meaning of the word yoga is to yoke or unite. By calming our incessant mental chatter, we can begin to yoke, cultivating a natural union within ourselves and between ourselves and the world. As you become immersed in the present moment, eventually the subject-object dichotomy that pits you as separate from the world around you begins to dissipate. This is a glimpse into the mystical terminus of meditation. Samadhi, or integrated consciousness, is a state of non-dualism at the end of the spiritual rainbow, where the conventional notion of self dissolves, and there is just the world. But samadhi and nirvana can wait, as for now, we simply dip our toe into the still waters of this practice. So, a quick disclaimer here to address any imposter syndrome that I may be feeling about leading these sessions. There are hundreds of distinguished scholars and great masters who have devoted their entire lives to studying various traditions of meditation and understanding the phenomenology of the human mind. There are fonts of wisdom with whom 
to delve deeper into this practice. And Commune has produced courses with Sharon Salzberg, Jack Cornfield, Deepak Chopra, David G., Michael Beckwith, and many others. I will begin to pepper in lessons from these great masters in upcoming episodes. I am a mere layperson in comparison. However, because I'm a relative neophyte, there may be more of a path to walk together on the way to developing a deeper practice. Now, these podcast praxis will conform to a few themes. We will be paying close attention to the breath, as is customary in a typical Vipassana practice. The breath is always with us, I suppose, until it isn't. But while we are occupying this physical plane, the breath is always at our disposal. The breathing is governed by the autonomic nervous system. In other words, day-to-day and moment-to-moment, it functions completely below the crust of consciousness as a bottom-up behavior. However, it is one of the components of the autonomic nervous system that we can also consciously control. And in this way, the breath is a conduit to the subconscious. As thoughts, emotions, and sensations appear in awareness, sometimes pulling us into mental busyness, we will always return to the presence and the rhythm of the breath. Over the course of this series, I will introduce some gimmicks that may help us move into transconceptual space where we let go of symbols, words, and abstractions and connect to the substrate of reality. These tricks include breathing patterns, the use of mantra and other sound-producing artifacts like Tibetan bowls. Olfactory stimuli can sometimes help calm the nervous system. And mala beads offer a way to take note of the breath. Some of the featured practices will be contemplative in nature. We will reflect on compassion, loving kindness, and virtue. We will contemplate our own mortality as a means for cultivating gratitude. We will step off the hedonic treadmill through the practice of loving what we already have. We will concentrate on focusing attention, something that has become increasingly arduous in a distracted and distracting world. Now, how many of us are pulled a thousand different directions with pings and dings from notifications and texts and social media? Technology has impinged on our concentration spans. The ability to focus attention is one of the most useful byproducts of this practice. The aptitude to cultivate long-wave thoughts not only helps you get things done, but it also builds discernment, the capacity to reason and delineate between fact and fiction, which is no simple task in the current media environment. In many ways, meditation is a tuning fork for the truth. Now, there are just two criteria for developing a good meditation ritual a quiet place to consistently practice, and a commitment to showing up. So do your best to fulfill these simple criteria. Okay, let's get into today's practice. We'll start very simply. So take a comfortable seat. This could be in a chair or 
on a cushion on the ground. If you're already a seasoned practitioner, perhaps you can rest in some form of Padmasana or Lotus Pose in which you sit cross-legged with the bottoms of your feet facing up. However, if you are in a chair like me, just plant your feet firmly on the ground. Now try to maintain an erect spine, but don't make yourself too rigid or uncomfortable. Close your eyes lightly and take an inhale through your nose. Now at the very top of your breath, just hold it for a moment and then exhale again through your nose. Now as you repeat this cycle, establish a relaxed rhythm of the breath. Now you can count if you want four beats on the inhale, a beat of hold, four beats on the exhale, but eventually you can drop the numbering and just let your body naturally establish a tranquil rhythm. Now for this particular practice, your inhales don't need to be unnaturally deep, but they should be conscious. So as you inhale, become acutely aware of the sensation of the breath itself. I just take a few cycles of conscious inhales and exhales here. Where do you feel the breath most prominently? In your nostril, maybe specifically at the tip of your nose, or maybe up closer to the eyes. What is the signature of your breath? Is it cool? Is it warm? If your breath was a color, what would it be? Visualize in your mind's eye the air entering your nose moving down your trachea and into your bronchial tubes and feel the expansion of your chest as the air fills your lungs. And take these moments here to really get acquainted with all the sensations related to breathing. Really make breath your best friend.
By now, thoughts have likely begun to puncture your focus. That's no problem. Just let them appear and redirect your attention back to your best friend, your breath. She's always there for you. Okay, for the next few minutes, we will just continue to concentrate on inhaling, filling the chest cavity, and exhaling. For every cycle, make a conscious note. Let's aim to make 12 cycles together. As thoughts arise in consciousness, just witness them and return to the breath. There will be a chime to end the practice. And if you make it to 12 before the end, just start again at one. Who knew that counting to 12 was so difficult? Yeah, I know it seems rudimentary, but if maintaining focus through 12 cycles of breath is the only practice you ever do, I guarantee you will see over time a dramatic increase in your ability to concentrate. So thank you for taking the time to engage in this practice today. It may be the only short respite from the world of dull care that you'll have over the course of the entire day. So I hope you begin to treasure this time. And I guarantee that the peace you begin to feel during the practice will soon begin to punctuate your day in a most wonderful way. So that's all from the commune for today. Look forward to new practices every Saturday with a lot less preamble. My name is Jeff Krasno, and I am here for you.